Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room. I'm your host of this week's show, Matt Peverell, and I look to put you in the shoes of Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, Omar Khan, as they look to navigate what's a really interesting off-season this year where we've got, obviously, the COVID impacts on the salary cap. You know, you, the draft is more important than ever. Um, there's more unknowns about every prospect in the draft. So, you know, this as for regular listeners of this show, you know, this war room, we always cover everything free agent, salary cap related, um, as well as give you an idea of who might the Steelers draft but look, if part one of this week's show, I really wanted to sort of cover off and just sort of layer the land as usual where we're sitting. Um, according to Over the Cap right now, the team's got about $11 million, $11.7 million in cap space. That doesn't count the displacement. So that's the top 51. Um, obviously, the 53 man for the salary cap, you'd add another $1.56 million there given Demarcus Christmas and JC Hassenhauer are listed there. Equally below them are Kevin Rader, um, into gray scales and they are all around $780,000 there. But when we think of that top, top 53, the other thing as well is that obviously this year we've got the expanding of the salary, um, the rosters as well to 55 players with the 17th game. So I think we've got to factor that in as well um, there. So that 11 million is a sort of interesting number equally 
when I looked at through the list there, we've we need about to tick over eight million as well to sign our draft picks. So there's still a few more pieces, I guess, to be done, and there's still a few more free agents that the Steelers could actually bring in um, to sort of bolster their 2021 um, 2021 roster. And I actually really wanted to have a look at that as well because. There are still a number of players, and I am going off over the cap in terms of where people sign deals, but there's still a number of different players um, in key spots for the Pittsburgh Steelers that he get to sign um, contracts. One of those players, you know, so some of those players are guys like AJ Boyer, who was released from the Broncos. You've got Casey Haywood, who was released from the Chargers, Richard Sherman, Stephen Nelson from, from the Steelers, obviously, you know, could he come back onto the Steelers roster? I mean, that's, that's an interesting piece there. If he doesn't get picked up, I saw there was, um, in our BTSC Slack channel that was brought up in terms of Twitter and, um, you know, he sort of revealed as if Stephen Nelson sort of said like, you know, were there, his expectations were different from the Steelers and he thought there was a market out there and that there are apparently 10 to 15 teams interested in him. Well, you know, he's yet to be signed. Um, you've got other guys like DJ Hayden, who was in the Jags in 2020, Josh Norman, Buster Screen from the Bears, Jason McCourty, Brian Poole, who I know that Brian Anthony Davis um, of Behind the Steel Curtain um, and our and our lead podcast producer, he you know, he's sort of advocated why you'd go get a Brian Paul out there. You've got a guy like, I think Quinton Dunbar has re-signed though now, um, but he looks to be free from over the cap. Brashad Breland, he's someone that I'd be open to the Steelers having a look at. Um, you've got Gary and Conley, LaShawn Sims, um, Nico Roby Coleman. Um, I go down the list. There's other guys like Draco Patrick, um, Jonathan Joseph's there as well. You know, and, EJ Gaines is an older, a much older player there from the Bills. Um, you know, Ross Cockrell's around. You know, there's a bunch of different players there, but that sort of gives you some of the top line guys at the cornerback position. When I look at the position, a position though, like center, it's not looking good. Um, you know, you've got Austin Reader there from the Chiefs. We know that he didn't do a hell of a lot. We saw Austin Blythe sh- sign with the Chiefs. Obviously, I've been really big on him through these podcasts and through Steelers Touchdown Under, which if you don't listen to that, that's a live YouTube show that goes live at about 5 or, or now without saving um, ending in Australia, 6 p.m. Eastern time on a Saturday evening. That's live on YouTube with my co-host, Mark Davison. Um, but I've talked about Austin Blythe there. I've batted the BTSC Slack channels in terms of terms of those guys, but there's not a lot of centers available um, in free agency at the moment that are proven, tried, tested. Um, and a guy that maybe the Steelers could look to would be a Russell Bodine um, who played on the Lions. Um, AQ Shipley as well, who I think was the backup there at the Buccaneers. They're probably the best guys that are sort of sitting there at the moment, um, unless you're going to get a guard that you're going to convert. So, you know, whether the Steelers need to be drafting a center in this year's draft and, and hopefully it's not in round one, that's going to be the challenge, but they've certainly missed out on a few guys. Um, obviously there's a bunch of players you can still trade for as well. Um, but the Steelers are in this position now where they're in need. And, and, you know, I guess when you look at, if you're going to even do a trade, they're, they're in the position where another team can sort of take advantage of that, or, or they're coming from a lower negotiating or bargaining spot. Um from that perspective, even still, um, you know, when I look at the linebacking unit as well there, um, and obviously 
this is an interesting piece. Do they bring back someone like a Vince Williams? Avery Williamson hasn't signed anywhere. Um, Quan Alexander was released from the Saints. He's probably out of their price range. KJ Wright um, as well. You've got that guys like I think LJ Fort's been now being picked up or he's signing a contract, um, you know, with I think Washington potentially. But when I saw that, but that's yet to be finalized. You know, it's it's going to be really interesting to see which sort of linebackers are sitting there. You've got guys like Shaquem Griffin or Malik Jefferson that are still sitting there. Um, you know, I know I'd mentioned Denzel Perryman. Could we go after him? You know, as sort of a bit more of a thumper. You know, he's been signed as well. Um, you know, so he's someone that's missing that I'd mentioned earlier on in in this off season. He signed with the Panthers, so. You know, there are a lot of these guys off the board as well. Um, Michael Kendricks, who I think has now been, um, who was, you know, obviously ex-Cleveland um, and Seahawks, and then he had the litigation against him for tax fraud. Um, then he ended up playing. He was on the Washington roster for 2020. Um, he's still sitting there, and I think he's certainly available. Do you want to bring in a character like that? Um, a guy that I think could be an answer for the Steelers there to be supportive would be a Patrick on Wusaw from the Jets. And I know that I've probably pronounced his last name wrong there, but that's the interesting piece um, in terms of, I'm just looking at a couple of key positions that we know the Steelers need some depth with that are open, um, you know, in terms of who they might draft, you know, and from that perspective, I mean, when you look at the edge rushing position as well, you know, guys like Melvin Ingram, Quan um, Alexander's listed there as well from the outside perspective, but Javion Clowney, Ryan Kerrigan, who's more of a um, in three four, he's going to be more of a defensive end potentially. You know, you can use him in that way, or you can use him outside linebacker. Um, he's pretty versatile. I was like Justin Houston, Olivier Vernon. Um, you know, those sorts of guys are, are sitting out there at the moment, and you know. Again, this is a, this is an area that the Steelers going to need some backup with. Um, Everson Griffin, Bruce Irvin, Alex Okafor. Um, you know, they're the sorts of guys there that you know have are technically available. Um, so, but whether the Steelers are going to invest any more cat room into this, and maybe they just draft backups, they've got young guys that can prove themselves. They can get an idea of what those guys look like. That's going to be the question. The other interesting piece of information that I saw this week as well, when it comes to the Steelers, which I think it's worth mentioning is, is definitely around the fact that the Steelers have brought in four free agent signings um, in addition to the roster that weren't re-signing. So that's four different additions. The average age of those is actually 28.25. So sorry, 28.25. So that's, you know, 28 and a quarter, but the average roster age right now, believe it or not, for the Pittsburgh Steelers coming into the free agency was actually 26 and 26.25. So, or 26 and a quarter. That's pretty young. When we look at some of the other teams to give you perspective as well, um, in, to give you some perspective on what that looks like across the rest of the league. Um, when I'm, when I'm looking at that, you know, there are other teams there like the Colts, you know, they're 25 point, um, 25.77, the Saints, 26.85, the Broncos, 26.12, Panthers, 25.82, Raiders, 26.44, Seahawks, 26.30, the Patriots, 27.2, um, Browns, 26.08, Dolphins, 26.11, Vikings, just a tad over 26, Jaguars, 25, Bengals, 26, Jets, 20. Um, and 25.99, so you may as well call it 26. Lions, 26.24. Um, the Bills, 26.86. So 
you know, the Steelers are quite young there, but I think what's interesting is that when you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers and you think about guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Joe Hayden and David DeCastro and Cameron Haywood and, you know, even an Eric Ebron or um, or Chris Boswell, you know, Stefan Tewitt's getting up there too. You sort of think, man, these guys are a bit older. So to, to think that how young that Steelers roster is, it, it sort of puts it into perspective because whilst we've signed some older free agents, we really aren't, you know, a dad's army situation um, that I know is, it's a sport term that we've used. And I think it is used in the U S as well, but we certainly use a lot amongst Aussie support there as well. So just an interesting perspective from, from that, that sort of situation. The other thing that I thought was really interesting as well um, is the use this off season. And, and we might look at this as we go through war room, particularly even after the draft, um, you know, depending on how, what we might do with this, with this podcast, but um, you know, is how teams using the signing bonus to manage a salary cap and, and over the cap wrote an article this week about it. And they basically sort of said that it's been used more than usual, which you'd expect given it's a way of managing the salary cap with COVID-19 Um you know, and they looked at some of the top teams that have done this. And basically it's like how teams can defer some of this spending to but the years between 2022 and 2026. Um, and what they can put on the books that's not prorated, prorated compared to the amount that is prorated. Um, and when you look at the biggest abusers, the Steelers are actually at number two. So the Steelers, uh, sorry, the Eagles have used 40 point, seven percent of, of their time so the eagles um you know are well known for the use of bonus restructures they actually rank second in the nfl with 151 million in future charges related to signing bonus um prorations which is incredibly high when they don't have a veteran quarterback on a multi-year deal you know they've got obviously jalen hurts now after trading Carl, carson wentz to the um to the indianapolis colts um and with just 221 million to account another salary to see for the Eagles, they're pretty much going to be in a pinch whenever they need to cut a player um, or avoid hits their books. They've got around 60 million in pro rata void money over the next five years, which is the most in the NFL. The second of the Steelers um, at 37 and a half percent. And this is basically, you know, and over the cap is sort of suggesting that they pledge, we pledge more money in the Steelers um, in signing bonuses than any other team in the NFL at the moment. Um, and we've relied heavily on different restructures rather than re-signings or extensions players above one year. Um, we've been able to use voidable contract use, particularly this offseason. We've seen the Steelers start to do it. Obviously we've been hit really hard by the COVID issue to the cap. Um, and basically you know, the team has got 97 million remaining in non-prorated salary and 57 million in pro-rated salary that is sunk. Um, 20 million of that number comes due next year when the first set of voids kicks in, which will be the highest void total currently in the NFL. The Falcons are close behind 37.1. And because of just some of the issues that they've got with their cap and some of the poor decisions they've made over the last few years in trying to keep players or re-sign them. Um, And, you know, it's just been a mess for them, really. Um, they've gone really heavy on their stars, which has made trading their players are kind of them difficult. You know, guys like Ridley and, and you know, Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Um, and apparently, you know, they're they're a little bit similar to the Lions of the big three era where, the, you know, the team hurt themselves by going to the world too many times on just a handful of players. Um, the Saints are 35.5%, you know, and they've 
I mean, their attempts over the last five years to do things with salary cap. Um, we know how difficult that situation has been for them. Um, they've tried everything in the book. Um, you know, they're, they're very similar to the Eagles in how they do this. You know, Drew Brees is on the roster in 2022, um, you know, and he's retired, you know, this year. So it shows that um, the Seahawks sitting at 31.9%. This is not factoring the um, Tyler Lockett's extension. Um you know, and they used a massive bonus, obviously, on Russell Wilson. Whether he's going to stay in the team is going to be really interesting, but it's a massive cap hit. I think that was an issue as well in what they wanted to do with the Chicago Bears. Um, and, you know, and they know they've got a team there that can make the playoffs, and then once you make the playoffs, who knows? Um, you know, the the Buccaneers are over 30% as well. So are the Panthers, Cardinals, and Packers. The non-users are interesting. Um, the Colts, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the Titans – um, so it's, it's, it's pretty interesting in terms of this yearly salary, the sunk salary and the percentage sunk and the percentage I've talked to you, obviously are those percentage that are sunk, but the steals are there. There's steals there at second, um, at the moment. So it's in terms of percentage at 37.5%. So it's just going to be an interesting piece to watch of how consistently this is the case, you know, over the next See, you know, 2022, 2023, 2024, 25, 26, as the cap moves back into a more positive perspective, where do we sit in terms of what we're doing with voidable years? Is it just what we're using to get through this period if the Steelers don't want to move um, to this point of restructuring players that have more than one year left on their contract? Is this the way they're going to manage it? Um, you know, and, and this is something we'll really see. But look, with that, that wraps up part one of, um, or the first part of, of Steelers Warren for this week. In part two, I'm going to look at a few plot more players the Steelers could be drafting, um, particularly in one of those key positions that I just mentioned before. Um, so stay tuned for that through the break. Um, excited to bring you these because is, is any of you that have been following, any of the listeners have been following each and every week. And if you haven't, I, I you know, you know, employ you to go back and have a listen to some of those shows that we've done. I try to bring up, you know, two, three sometimes, and we might see if we can get through four um, very quickly in sort of 15 minutes or so, but different players the Steelers could draft. And it's not who they're going to just draft in round one. That's not what this is about. Um, this is What this is about is who are the players the Steelers could actually draft? Who are those players that fill key needs? Yes, I look at some of the big guys each week, but it's not necessarily about, you know, solely about who those guys are that could be that round one pick. Um, obviously, as we get close to the draft, I will look at that. But yeah, that's We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass.
And we're back on Steel's War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt Peverell, where I and in part two, we're going to talk everything draft picks and, you know, these potential rookies who could make this big difference to the Pittsburgh Steelers if they're to join, um, you know, the roster in 2021. So before I kick off, as I kick this off, one interesting thing is, as I was sort of sitting there after dinner, um, you know, before, because everyone knows that I record this podcast on a Wednesday night, Australian time, um, comes to you guys live Wednesday, up, late up Wednesday afternoon and Wednesday evening um, in the US. So within 24, less than 24 hours, um, we're able to turn this around. Um, it's really important. I put that timestamp there and, and particularly when we had free agency break and what have you, but I was sitting there and I got a notification on, on Facebook. I'd logged in there. Sometimes I, it's really only a news feed for me. I'm not really on there from a social perspective. And I saw a mock draft, um, from CBS, which suggested, um, the Steelers, you know, do a trade. Um, they end up trading with Miami at 18 and, and picking up, Trey Lance, who falls that far because he's, you know, the biggest, um, you know, he's needing the most need of development out of those top tier, top tier quarterbacks. Um, interesting there as well for the, for those keeping score at home, Mac Jones um, gets picked by the Detroit Lions. Uh, sorry, by the Washington um, football team um, that traded with the Detroit Lions. I personally think he's going at number three right now to um, San Francisco, but in this mock draft, it went Trevor Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two to the Jets, Justin Fields to San Francisco, Carl Pitts to Florida, um, Carl Pitts from Florida to to the Atlanta Falcons, Jamar Chase to the Bengals, not Penn Isle, Um Jalen Waddle um, to Miami, Mac Jones, as I mentioned before, to Alabama, Penn Isle to Oregon. Now that's very interesting from Oregon to Carolina. Now that's very interesting, particularly I think they re-signed their um, key tackle um, in this year's, year's free agency was, was Taylor Monton and they picked up his franchise tag at an average, current average value of $13.754 million. So you get Penn Isle, you pretty much set yourself up there. You put Penn Isle in at left tackle, then you go right tackle there. That's an interesting pick. Rashawn Slater then goes to the Broncos. Interesting, they wouldn't... Um, Pick pick someone there, but they've got Drew Locke. If they can get a you know, really, they've got a developing O line there um, at the Broncos. So, um, if you know, if you're looking to build through a steady O line um, and do it that way, that that's not the the dumbest move in the world for the Broncos, who really have not hit on quarterbacks as we know. Um, you know, that's that's an interesting move. Um, then Patrick Satan the second goes to the Dallas Cowboys under this mock draft. Then Jalen Phillips to the Giants. Devonta Smith to the to the Eagles. I wouldn't be surprised. I think that pick may actually happen there. Um, Christian Darasaw to the Chargers. Quiddy Pay to Minnesota. J.C. Horn to to the New England Patriots. Elijah Vera Tucker to the Cardinals. Mike Parsons to the Raiders. I can see that pick happening with Gruden. Obviously, Trey Lance I said there to the Steelers. Liam Eikenberg. Um, which is one of the highest picks that he's been seeing at the moment. Um, he goes to Detroit at, at 19, Greg Newsom to Chicago, Caleb Fairley to the Colts. That's a great move for them to shore up that defense as well. That's you know already doing terrifically well. Rashad Bateman to the Titans, Jason Owe to the Jets, Joe Tyron to the um, 
to Miami there. That's that's picking at 24 there from the Steelers, Joe Tryon. Um, Tevin Jenkins to Jacksonville. Eric Stokes to the Browns. Trevon Morig to um, Baltimore, which I think is pretty much where Trevon Morig's going to go now. I think he, I think the, the, the Baltimore Ravens will go after him um, at safety. Aziz Ujulari, who I know I pronounced this wrong, he goes to the Saints. They need that linebacker there. Terrence Marshall, junior wide receiver to Green Bay, pairing up with Devontae Adams. Um, Gregory Rousseau goes to the Bills to give them some rushing. Um, Kadarius Tony goes to Kansas City, just give them another offensive weapon to throw that ball to. And obviously they've shored up their offensive line with guys like Joe Thurney and now Austin Blythe. Um, and then you've got Christian Barmore going there to the Buccaneers, which Jeffrey Benedict will be like, wow, that's um, that's massive for their defense and you know gives them a backup for Donna Masu. So that's what this draft looked like, which was pretty interesting. Um, but looking at some players that I wanted to look at, um, I've been doing a bit of work, like a lot of my reading um, goes, as some people know, across, you know, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Books, um, across the NFL network. Um, I look at guys like the draftnetwork.com as well. I do a billion mock, mock drafts to the point I've been mocked by my BTSC counterparts about them. But then I've since found out they all do them too. So, um, you know, we're all in it together. Um, but look, one of the things that they did this week is they looked at a couple of key players, um, on the draft network that were standouts that aren't necessarily going to be first round draft picks. Um, and I thought one of them, one of them caught my eye. A few of them caught my eye cause I've been following a couple of these guys, but the one that caught my eye that I wanted to cover first was Spencer Brown. Um, so he's an outside tackle or so, you know, left or right tackle from Northern Iowa. Um, you know, he's a real athlete. Um, and he tested, you know, they, they saw it's just that he tested the best out of anyone in terms of athletic ability. And, you know, he was a high school tight end that had no major school offers. He put almost 70 pounds on um, at Northern Iowa, and then he transitioned to the offensive line in that process. He's six foot eight, 34 inch arms. He did a low 40, 440s short shuttle, a 4.84 uh, 40 yard dash, a stunning um, sub seven second three cone despite his high cut frame, which is ludicrous movement ability. And it's reflected on film. Um, he didn't take, he hasn't taken a live snap in 2020 because it was moved to the spring. Um, and apologies for the thunder out there. We've got a massive storm happening in Sydney right now. Um, you know, so he played 2019, not 2020, but he did, he already performed at the senior bowl and he entered the NFL draft. Um, you know, he's, but the thing is, he's going to be picked up later in other rounds because he's an extremely raw um, offensive tackle, but he's a once in a year athlete at the position, um, you know, and they're seeing he's done develop he's developed and he's got better and better over the course of his play. And literally the, the draft network is sort of saying, if you trust your offensive line coach, draft him on day two, it makes sense as an insurance policy for an aging veteran starter. If we even if we bring back our, our villain waiver, this is the sort of guy you think, Hey, the Pittsburgh Steelers go out and get him. Um, and, and the other thing too, is, you know, when I look at the NFL.com, when I look at sort of some of their, um, the scouting on them as well. Obviously they've got those grades that start at eight and finish at a, a no grade, but really it's an eight and it finishes about like a five. He's sitting there as like a 6.25. So he's between a good backup and someone that's a starter within their first two seasons. Um, you know, they, they've got him there at six, nine at 314 pounds. Um, he was an all state pick, um, you know, all state pick up, uh, you know, coming out, 
um, of, of high school there. He caught seven touchdown passes and 17 quarterback sacks. So you see that athleticism that, uh, that I mentioned before. Um, you know, he started 12, 13 games in 2018 um, at right tackle. Um, and then he was a 14-game starter at All Missouri Valley Football Conference um, when he was playing there in Northern Iowa. Um, you know, obviously there was that issue with he didn't play 2020. He's a towering tackle prospect with hands, feet, and length in place to become a quality pass protector at the next level. Um, despite playing his entire career at right tackle in Northern Iowa, he could ha- do do well on the left side um, if a team wants to put him there due to his athleticism. He's packed on weight and muscle. Um, you know, his senior ball practice showed there's a bit of work to do in his core strength and his center of gravity. Well, center of gravity when you're six foot eight or nine is pretty high. Um, but, you know, and, and that becomes harder, you know, obviously the taller you are, the harder that course becomes. Um, but more important too, with things like backs, the big, the taller you are as well, you can have a lot of back injuries. So it's really important for them there. Um, you know, Slippery athletes with good length will trouble him early um, and maybe beyond, but he's an above average hand fighter with a variety of pass sets that he can utilize. And this should help him as an eventual starter with an early swing tackle value. Some of the strengths, excellent lean mass, despite adding 70 to hundred pounds since high school, he's proportionally built with room for to get even bigger, believe it or not. Um, and by that, we mean more mass loyal team first mentality, natural bender with impressive athletic ability, um, foot agility, and explosiveness to make all the move blocks works at coming off with good pad level despite his height accelerates into the block and immediately runs feet with figure he's an all-day block finisher who's hungry for pancakes his past pro hips and feet of an early round pick um good recognition of late add-ons looking to blitz basketball feet to mirror in all directions i like that idea of quick weight feet and if he's got basketball feet he's got good footwork um everyone knows basketball is about footwork um from what i know about the offensive line equally it's about footwork it's about your stance so that's awesome to hear in quick feet too um above average feel for feints and hand fighting quality resets taken from losing position to a winning position he flashes the talent to throw a variety of protection looks at pass rushes so he's versatile as well um weaknesses there's not too many here but it's opponents often get under his pads due to his high center of gravity you can't blame the guy because he's tall um better blocking on angles than heads up he's missed blocks usually due to footwork issues so interesting we talked about those footwork where he's got the quick feet but there are still issues there with them um narrow drive base can get him tossed by power his second level climbs can lack control at times well quite frankly we didn't see the pittsburgh steelers go forward at all at the second level so the fact he's even getting there i think is a plus um oversets really hurt him against james madison um with the pass slides can get uneven needs to eliminate forward leaning into punch to avoid uh push pull moves doesn't say square for long as he needs to in some pass sets so that's something that'll be important um but again if he can hold on to guys this he might be able to get away a little bit of that. Um, you know, they were sort of saying he could have transferred to a power five school once he knew they weren't going to play football this year, but he wanted to stay to Northern Iowa out of loyalty. Um, this was a national scout for an AFC team who said, I love that. I love his intensity, his quickness, and I love the potential. Well, I'll tell you what, when I read about this guy, I love the pick as well. Um, let's get him out of a purple and black jersey. Let's get him into a black and gold. Let's get him in, in day two in round three. It means we can look at what we do in round one. We know that day, um, Kevin Colbert's pretty much, I think he's only once ever picked um, tackle, if not at all. I don't think he's picked tackle at all. I think he picked, it's just to Castro in terms of O-Lyman there and his 20 years of drafting. There was an article like this week on behindthesealcurtain.com about that. I know Michael Beck covered it in the live mic as well. Um, 
you know, so go over listen to that if you if you want to there. But to me, this guy sounds like a Pittsburgh Steeler. Big, loyal, athletic, yeah, a little bit raw, but we've got a great offensive line coach in Clem. I back Clem, you know, look at what we've been able to do with guys like Zach Panner, you know, even Chooks. You might not like Chooks, but he stood up there against a tough LA team in 2019 in terms of that defensive line, um, you know, and, and held up there with, with a Mason Rudolph sitting there, stand behind, you know, um, at quarterback. So this is a guy, Spencer Brown, look at his name, even if the Steelers don't get him, um, you know, whether another team can't develop him, then we can pick him up. But, Whoever he goes to, I think he's going to make an impact. So look there um, for Spencer Brown. So the second player that I wanted to look at, um, you know, as well, um, which I thought was an interesting bloke, um, who I feel like is right is is rising sneakily up the ladder for some for some people, and it's someone that's not. I've seen his name thrown around, and I'm like, eh, okay. Um, and I was going to originally cover James Wiggins because I'm a fan of him, um, and still has been rumored to be meeting. They've met twice now with Carl Joseph. Would they bring him in? And I was like, oh, I might talk about James Wiggins. But the name that I'm seeing, going back to the name that I'm seeing floating around a little bit, that I'm like, oh, I want to have a look at this guy, particularly because we haven't signed a center. Um, we've all talked about Creed Humphrey. We've all talked about Landon Dickerson. Great. But then there's Quinn Mineros from Wisconsin Whitewater. Um, he's a junior. He's actually ranked number 44 in the top 50 prospects um, in the latest version of this, which was released last week from Daniel Jeremiah. Um, and, and he sort of described him as a unique player. He didn't play in 2020 as their season was canceled due to COVID-19 at Wisconsin Whitewater. However, he spent the fall training and showed up looking like a different player at the senior ball in January. He saw snaps at garden center at the game in the game. He has the prototype frame length power athleticism for an interior lineman. When Jeremiah did his 2019 tape, loved the nastiness and physicality, but he had some balance issues in run and passing. He cleaned that up during the senior bowl. He has a unique ability to leverage and roll his hips on contact to uproot and dump defenders over his nose in the run game. He can sink his hips and anchor down easily in pass protection. Um, you know, and he has the athleticism to slide mirror using length to keep defenders off his chest. Overall, Manera's more Mineros, comes with summaries due to the jumping competition, but he has all the traits and all the right temperament to develop into a late star at the next level. Is this the player that the Pittsburgh Steelers could draft in the second round? Is this the player that when Creed Humphrey and Landon Dickerson are off the board, Creed Humphrey with his great testing, but, you know, his questions on a first-round grade, Landon Dickerson with his suspect knees are gone. Is this the guy we could go with? Or could we even trade up earlier in the third or, or trade back in the second and pick up someone another pick to get this guy? He's not someone I'm seeing on a lot of lists. He's, I mean, this sort of evaluation looks pretty good. Um, people know that I'm obviously a big fan of Daniel Jeremiah from that part. But then looking at his graph, draft profile as well, he's a 6.31 there. Um, you know, So that's someone that's already started in their first two seasons. The Steelers need a center there. Um, he's six foot three, he's 320 pounds. His arms are 33.375 inches. Um, hands at, at 10 inches, if you're into all that, you know, I know we judge that on quarterbacks a lot. Um, you know, these bio, he's always been a pro prospect. Ultra, he was, you know, Wisconsin Whitewater is an ultra successful Division Three program, six national titles, four run-up finishes from 2005 to 2019. He declared for the draft in December. Um, the Warhawks did not play in the fall due to COVID-19. He went to the Senior Bowl. He emerged as a standout. Um, he was a first-team 
um, All-American in 2019 for the Division Triple Three. Um, he started all 15 games at left guard. He attained first team All-Wisconsin Intercollegiate Athlete Conference status after starting 14 games at left guard. The honorable mention All-State offensive and defensive lineman standout of Hartford, Wisconsin, redshirted in 2017 um, and played in two contests as a reserve. Um, you know, he has definitely improved as he's got, you know, into this senior bowl. So even though he didn't play in 2020, he's done a lot of work. Strengths above average length and hand sizes center. Strong week of senior bowl practices where they're put through more pro style, um, you know, practices and schemes. Former wrestler with premium core strength. Operate, maybe he could teach something to Spencer Brown. Um, operates with good knee bend and wide sturdy base. Leverage and leg drive to push flesh around. Outstanding improvement as a block finisher since his 2019 tape. Effective hand flashes to keep rushers guessing. Able to throw punches in flurries. Athleticism to work down the field in the screen game. That's something you know we might see out of Matt Canada offense. Uh, strong hands to latch in and cinch up, cinch up the block. Adequate lateral movement to mirror the rush. Weaknesses. And this is one of the fewest that I've seen from offensive linemen in these profiles. Needs to improve footwork into block fits. A little too much forward lean off the snap and in his first contact can improve bringing feet with him in settle steps. Level of speed and competition might mean, mean a bit of an adjustment period, but hey, you've got whatever you say. They do have BJ Finney and they do have JC House now there to you know manage those snaps. Um, you know, average getting to proper landmarks on the second level plays a power game, but we'll need to add a level of fit, finesse and patience. Doesn't this sound like a guy that Pittsburgh Steelers could draft? Again, he was in a bit of purple. We need to get him out of there. You, uh, you know, the, when I looked at other negatives as well, you know, the, the positives, you know, outweigh these. You know, people have said he's a dominant school blocker, keeps his feet moving, works his hands, blocks with nasty attitude, shows the ability to adjust and pick up blitzes or speed rushes. You know, that if that keeps Ben upright, all the merrier. Um, keeps his head on a swivel and is smart and tough. Negatives were on this particular other profile were top heavy, not effective in motion, not a true zone blocking lineman. So that's interesting. But with how much the Steelers are, you know, passing, and you think about Ben Roethlisberger, that's all he needs to do really here. Um, his NFL draft stock is, you know, even though he's a great prospect, has, has been a bit lower than what some might expect. Um, you know, and it's competition. Everyone's really, you know, concerned about whether that's competition. But if you're going to back a guy like Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, why don't you back this guy on a day two or very early on day three? Um, you know, if he's available on day three, the Steelers should, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, you know, trade different future picks, bring him in. Um, you know, guys like Alex Marpet have done well, you know, from, from a similar position and similar in, in terms of um, where they've come from in college, you know, he, he could really, he could really do some things. Um, you know, I know that New York Jets and Houston Texans and the Bengals are people that have uh, teams have selections early in round four. They might go after him, but I just sort of think, you know, do you get a Spencer Brown on day two? You know, do you get this guy in round two or three? Um, you know, these are the sorts of things we need to think about. But when I look at tackle where we still have a need, when I look at center where we still have a need, Quinn Moneras, Spencer Brown, Let's bring them in. Let's make them Steelers. We know the Steelers draft, you know, best player available or an option to fill a need, but they look at, you know, filling those through things like free agency and, and you know, cut price guys, re-signing key guys. These are two players that can make a difference. They're not going to be round one picks, 
They might be surprised at round two at pick 55, but they're probably round three and four, but they could be those starters. And we know the Steelers can turn third and fourth round, definitely second round picks into quality starters. Let's see it happen. But when we say let's see it happen, we've got a couple more, you know, about three more weeks to go till we, till we see that. So, Look, that wraps up another episode of Steelers War Room. We're motoring through these. We're getting, I can't believe we're, you know, only a few um, podcasts off, you know, doing it right before the NFL draft. Really interesting to see the different narratives come out. I'm really enjoying getting to cover these players, The you know, and, you know, you're just trying, trying not to, you know, fall in love with some of these players as Dave Schofield likes to point out can be the issue. But whether you're interested in terms of the free agents we're picking up or the draft picks we might go after, BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. This is a podcast for BTSC. In case you missed it, I'm sure you didn't. Follow us and all our great shows. Anything like involved in Pittsburgh Steelers. That, enjoy your evening. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.